0: Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Koh, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. I am so delighted about today's guest I have on the air, Lizzie Bermudez. She is an Emmy-winning TV journalist who is all about midlife real talk. I'm so here for it as a 49-year-old. And she also has a podcast coming soon called Our Halftime Show.
1: Hi, Lizzie. Hi. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to join you. I am just so
0: excited to finally have a chance to sit down and talk with you. Because I feel like I have seen you so many times in passing at conferences, and there's usually all manner of enthusiastic flailing, and then we don't really have a chance to sit down (laughs) (laughs) and have dedicated time together until now. So I just wanted to say that I'm so grateful for this moment and for you taking the time to hop on the mic with me.
1: So am I. So am I. I I know we exchange DMs on Instagram often, yes. Yes. Uh, But I like that we get to sit down at the mic and have a real conversation.
0: Completely, completely. Well, I have a lot of questions for you. I I just love your lane. And so let's just dive right in. And I wanted to start with a big picture type of question. It's totally unscientific, but also totally valid. (laughs) I am curious if you can encapsulate in the many, many conversations you have had with women about midlife, um, who are in midlife? What the biggest pain points are? And spoiler alert to all: I want to hear about the struggle first, but then I want to pivot to the embrace.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, I've I've been working probably about two years now on, on just creating content, digital content for women at midlife, and I think I started because of my own pain point, and that was feeling stuck. Mm. Like, what now? What do I do? Where do I go? I think there are a lot of women who hit their mid forties, early fifties, and they're now empty nesters. They could be divorced. They could be dating and they could have a career, no career, starting a new career or new hobbies. And you just kind of look at life differently because you're at this halfway point. Mm -hmm. I equate it to being on the, you know, if you play golf, the back nine where When you're in the first half, you feel like you have eternity to get things done. Mm -hmm. But I think something happens once you hit midlife that really makes you take inventory and stock of what you've done and what you've want to do. And you realize that you're closer to the end than ever before. Mm -hmm. And so this reality sets in. And at times it feels a bit paralyzing and a little scary, but it it creates this pause Mm -hmm. where you really go, what do I do now? And that paralysis is what I seem to hear a lot of from women. I mean, there's the the physical, you know, there's the, oh my gosh, my body's changing. Um, I don't look as young and glowy as I used to. My hair's different. My skin's different. But that overall feeling of what now seems to be a recurring theme in a lot of midlife women.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so accurate. I mean, obviously there's transition if you are a person with children and they're now grown or on their way out. And certainly if you are having, you know, a career shift, there's so many things in addition to the physical that could be happening at that stage. So I I totally get that.
1: Yeah, it's really, it's really funny. You, it's like we go on autopilot because we've had this uh, part of our upbringing for a lot of people that, you know, you, you, go to school, you go to college, you graduate, you get married, you get the house, you have a career, you have kids, and then you retire. And then there's this big chunk where it's this void. Mm. And it's it's this journey that I think we all have to go on. And for every single one of us, it's going to look different.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I want to dig into some of your favorite things about being over 50. And I will link up your Instagram Account in the show notes because it is just a like wonderful, effervescent (laughs) joyride, as it were. It's just, I just think you are so great. And let's start with boundaries because I think this is one of the big things that people always wrestle with. It's a question I get asked about a lot. I personally love boundaries Uh and it's still challenging to set them depending on your context. So I know you are all about saying, No, without regrets, and I'm curious if there was a light bulb moment that happened for you, or a specific situation. And I will flag for listeners that we have a whole episode, an old episode with Asha and me about saying yes to saying no. So this is a this is a drum we have been beating for some time.
1: (laughs) This it's funny because you sent me these questions, and i I sat on this one for a while, and I said, "What was the moment? Was there a moment where I went, okay?" okay, Bermudas, it's time to take charge and say no and say it with authority. And it's, it's been rather recent. I would say in the last few years, I was reading Glennon Doyle's book, um, Untamed. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've read that. I think she let it out. She released it during the pandemic. And she had a line in the book that just hit me over the head like a ton of bricks. And I'm going to, I wrote it down. It's a short sentence. Mm -hmm. And she says, a woman becomes a responsible parent when she stops being an obedient daughter. Mm. I grew up in a ethnic family. I'm Mexican Filipino culture. And I'm sure some of this resonates with you (laughs) too, where so much of my upbringing, even as a woman in my fifties is around Pleasing my parents, doing right by my parents, making them proud, and oftentimes at my expense. Yep. And when I read that, like I get goosebumps when I I think about it. It almost released me from, from, from having to be that child as a young adult and always doing what my parents want me to do. And once I was able to have, I had that conversation with my mom where, no, I have to, this is right for me. This is what I need to do. It just felt so incredibly freeing. Once I was able to say no to my mom, it just opened the door to saying no to everybody else. (laughs) And for me, that created huge boundaries in my life.
0: Yeah, that's such a, that's such a great point and such a great quote. And it's really difficult. I just want to underscore that it's really difficult to unwind old patterns, especially family and cultural patterns. I mean, that's a lot of work and a very brave step. So, as somebody who is often at, you know, not the beck and call, but I would do anything for my mom in a similar kind of spirit, it mm-hmm. has been a good exercise when I say to her I actually just said no to her about something on Tuesday. Actually, it occurs to me. And um, and now we're in a better place where that's like not such a huge deal. But it's it's really important. And I I love that framing of it.
1: Yeah. And I think because of our culture, you know, some some of my friends might not understand that. They're like, what's the big deal saying no to your mom? <laughs> I'm like, you don't understand. My entire upbringing is about honor and respect mm-hmm. of of your elders and your parents.
0: Mm hmm. I know it's so interesting. I've been doing a lot of personal writing lately, reflecting on the, the former years, and it occurred to me, well, I've thought about this a lot as a parent in these modern times too, but saying no or pushing back, that wasn't even a thing in our household. You, it wasn't even on the menu
1: of It options. wasn't an option. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so interesting. All right, Lizzie, I have a bunch more questions for you. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. that's understood, explains wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter free.
0: Okay, friends, we are back with the wonderful Lizzie Bermudez. Lizzie, let's talk about judgment. <laughs> <laughs> so I think letting go of fear of judgment—it's tough. It's such a tough journey for people because you know we many of us grow up in a traditional environment that involves routine evaluation. I'm thinking just like school, the basics, whatever Mm -hmm. you stick in, in, you know, there with it for a while. And if you are in a traditional setting like that, and then onto the workforce, you're basically on a many years judgment runway. So what is it about midlife that helped you stop caring about how other people may be judging you? And are you, do you have moments where you still struggle with that? I would say I'm sort of there, but not hundred percent there. So that's why I'm asking.
1: Well, it's funny the the work that I did for many, 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 many years was working on camera on television, where everything was so subjective and how you looked and how you sounded and how you presented yourself. So I felt like I was constantly under the microscope on on how I looked. And when I stepped away from doing that as my primary work, it felt so incredibly freeing you know, to run around. I mean, I'm at home right now with no bra. Me neither. <laughs> In my sweats. <laughs> me and too. And a baseball cap.
0: <laughs> I have a beanie, but yes, similar similar uniform. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, and just settle into being comfortable with me and myself. And it wasn't easy going from, you know, this really polished perfect look to embracing this comfortable side of myself where I feel at ease And putting that out into the world did not happen overnight. I'll be honest with you. Mm -hmm. When I told my girlfriends that worked in television that I was going to be doing content and they were going to see the real Lizzie finally, you know, not the Lizzie Bermudas reporting live from Union Square. You were going to see me from my sofa or from my bedroom and it was going to be the real deal. Mm -hmm. And they were like, we call bullshit on that. There's (laughs) no way that's ever happening. (laughs) We've seen you. (laughs) And it it took. A while I had to stick, you know, my toe into the waters. So I do a little, a little, little at a time. Um, but I would say now I'm pretty comfortable putting it all out there. And it's been a process and it's an incredibly freeing process um, to put it out there. Cause it's, it's me. There's nothing more um, satisfying than to be seeing now for who I really am, as opposed to this, this persona this way that I presented for many, many years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, I think it's so, it's almost inconceivable that we as humans expect people to be one dimensional or maybe one to two dimensions. I mean, it, we're so complex and we have so many sides and I think actually maybe that's why we DM so much, but on Instagram, <laughs> but I feel like I embrace the irreverence. I think there is something a little weird about me on that platform that I'm Dr. Christine Coe, and yet I'm talking about poop all the time. and <laughs> But that's, that's what life is. You know, life is messy, and, and we, I think we just need to be ourselves. So I, I love that you embrace that, and I can respect how what an incredibly um, big pivot that would be from being on camera, like under the microscope, and in full hair and makeup every day.
1: Yeah. And it's funny. I get, I, you know, my content resonates most with women when I'm being vulnerable mm-hmm. and honest and real. I mean, I know I can post a photo or video of myself in a full face of makeup and my hair done in a cute outfit and people are going to go, Oh my God, you look so great. cute outfit! where'd you get that? But I like the real stuff. I'm the type of person when I meet you at a cocktail party or we're sitting next to each other at dinner. I want to, I want to dig deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it can be a positive or negative, depending who's sitting next to me. But I want—I want to dig in. I want to have a conversation. I want to get real. That's just—it's that's how I operate.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Don't, don't, don't change a thing. Um. So my first guest interview of this year was with my incredible eighty-six-year-old mother, Rachel Coates. Yeah, it was it was really something, you know, she had never she's actually a very shy person and she had never done anything like that. And it was awesome. And we talked about the power of curiosity, because even though she's lived this very challenging immigrant life and a long life and a very full life, you know, raising seven children and all that, she's always been so curious and You share that one of your favorite things about being over 50 is what I like to call fearless exploration. And that's starting new things, even if, or words, you suck at it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe even, maybe especially if, I don't know. So I thought it would be fun to hear about something you tried that didn't work out so amazing and why that was such a great moment for you.
1: It's funny. I've always... I've always been curious and I think that's why I got into reporting and working in Mm -hmm. television because I was always curious about different things and it allowed me to go and learn about a bunch of different things and I think I continue that today of of being curious and one of the things that I've always really liked is technology and I think that's why I got into blogging and vlogging and social media early on when... Mm -hmm. Most of my peers, just like you, when most of our peers were like, what is that? What are you talking about? How do you, do you remember that?
0: the year of your first like internet property? Yeah. <laughs> How how long yeah. ago was it? Do you remember my, my uh, blog? My first blog was two thousand six. That's why I ask. I mean, it's pretty I it's pretty think, old school, but it's it can be. There are people who started in two thousand four. So I'm just curious.
1: I know. No, mine was I believe two thousand seven. Yeah. Around, okay, yeah. we were
0: part of the same wave. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. So I I mean I've always loved learning. It, that's one of the things that really excites me about uh-huh. life. And I love technology, so I'm always curious about that. But I mean, learning TikTok, learning Reels, learning to start a podcast. I mean, I fall on my face constantly (laughs) and make a fool out of myself. And one of the reasons why I like to fail miserably is because I have daughters. I know you've got, you know, two daughters as well. Yeah. And I want them to see that, you, you know, you don't, as much as we'd like to, do something really well out of the gate. It doesn't work that way. I'm a perfectionist at heart. My daughters are as well. And they just witnessed witnessed me just work myself up into a frenzy very recently because I was listening to some of our podcast episodes. And I was so critical Mm. of the way I sounded, of what I was saying. And just they're like, whoa, 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 mom, you need to... (laughs) Take your own advice. You've never done a podcast before.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: This is just your, you know, first episode, second episode. It's going to get better the more you do it. That's what you always tell us. The more you do it, it's going to get better. So, I, I mean, I think if you look back at my old, you know, original TikToks and old reels, you'll just see some really dumb, stupid stuff as well. But, and it's out there. And I think the only way you get through it is just, you know, you either ditch that and move on or you just keep doing it until you get better.
0: I think that's great. And how wonderful of your daughters to reflect back that advice and see you so clearly. I just, I adore it. And I feel similarly. And I think that, I mean, they're all, there's all range of experience. I think that I'd like to joke that one of my superpowers is not overthinking things. I kind of have a gut feeling and I go. So like just, just two weeks ago, I was like, mm, I think I'm going to start Substack. And then I started it like within a day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think there is, there's something very magical about just jumping in and being creative and and learning, as you said. So and I don't think- get
1: me wrong. I mean, I've sworn I've been pissed off. I've deleted stuff accidentally and watched a zillion YouTube videos. It's frustrating, but gosh, I love when I'm learning. Mm-hmm. My brain is just like on fire. Mm hmm.
0: Mm hmm. Well, that's a great feeling. It is a great feeling. And
1: my mom would be very happy about that for you because
0: she she (laughs) says you just got to keep your brain active.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's the way I feel, too. I, I mean, I want to be learning until I die. That's my goal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, they do. There is some research, I think, out there that basically articulates that you should really plan as you approach retirement to have X number of hobbies. I don't know if it's like five or seven, just like interests, things that you care about, things that you are curious about. And I think that whether or not there is a specific number to it, I think it matters for sure.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, speaking of learning, I actually want to, um, I guess it is learning, but it's also a little scarier than learning because I want to ask you about your thoughts about embracing fear. And you have, I think it's a real on your Instagram that I I just appreciated so much and you talk about intentionally seeking scary things. And so I'm wondering why you think it is powerful to embrace fear and if there's if you think there's some line between, you know, obviously doing something dangerous versus just doing something that actually in reality is safe but you just need a little nudge.
1: Right. I think this might be just the the rebel in me but I find fear exciting and exhilarating as long as it's the safe kind of fear. I think one of the videos I shared was me jumping off, off the rooftop of a boat, you know, when you're looking, when you're, when you're on land, it doesn't seem like it's a big jump, but when you're up there and you're looking down into the water, (laughs) oh my gosh, I did it with my girlfriend a couple summers ago and I was going to turn around. I was like, this is the stupidest idea I've ever, I've ever come up with. And she's like, oh, no, we're going. One, two, three. I didn't even have time to think about it. Did she just grab your hand and like rip you off? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I'm screaming. (laughs) And, you know, you hit the water, you drink all this water. My butt was bruised. My arms were bruised. But I popped out of that water with the biggest Mm -hmm. smile on my face. And my heart was racing. And I felt so alive. It was awesome. Yeah, I was terrified and excited all at once. I also think another thing that I like to do, my friends, I love to go see live music go to music vet concerts and stuff. And if there's a VIP section that I'm not a part of, I will find a way <laughs> to sneak in <laughs> by just <laughs> pretending like I belong there or coming up with some BS story. Like that kind of that feels a bit fearful for me that I'm breaking the rules. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'll do that kind of thing. I don't, I don't, I just, it makes me feel alive and it feels mm-hmm. good to push boundaries. I think sometimes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I'm just, I can't even think about something I've done. That would be that like scary, like jumping off. Of. a. <laughs> but I mean, I think, well, I mean, actually skiing, which I used to do quite a lot of, and I haven't done this season yet, but there's, there's plenty of fear in that one. <laughs>
1: Okay. Oh, skiing ter- terrifies me. <laughs> I just picked it up maybe two winters ago because I used to be a snowboarder. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And in fact, we're going to go in a, in a week and I'm already nervous and fearful of it because I've, it's been so long. I'm like, Oh my gosh, getting on that, getting off that damn ski lift mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. my heart race.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's, it's, it's like, it's like riding a bike in that really it gets easier if you just go a little faster. <laughs> and, <Right. laughs> and that's also terrifying. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Lizzie, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back.
2: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom.
3: I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just gonna give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.
0: Hello friends, we are back with Lizzie Bermudez and Lizzie, let's talk about menopause. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) let's be honest, this could be several separate shows, but what's top of mind for me right now in a very like high level way is I would love for you to share a piece of advice for how people can best self-advocate for perimenopause or menopause care and support, whether that's at home or if it's at their doctor's office. And I ask this because... The other year, it might have been last year or the year before, I can't remember exactly, but I wrote a piece for CNN about perimenopause specifically. And one of the things that I heard repeatedly, I probably probably talked to like two dozen sources, and I just kept hearing over and over that people do not feel seen or heard when they're trying to move through this or get a diagnosis or whatever. So I'm so curious about your thoughts on this.
1: Yeah, it's funny because I've I've delved into this subject a lot over the past couple of years. And the reality is that a lot of doctors, your OBGYN, um, menopause is not something that they even study,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And so you need to seek out someone that goes and gets certified to study, that does the research that can help you educate you and give you what you need when it comes to menopause. Otherwise they're just kind of winging it. And you'll find that some doctors are, are just adamant about not giving women options as opposed to others. So I always say, do your research. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I know the internet gets a bad rap for For a lot of stuff, but you can go and find some really good, helpful information to help start assessing about, you know, some of the symptoms that you might have and then finding the right type of doctor that's certified in in menopause research and can help give you the stuff that you need and the information that you need. I mean, you really, really have to self-advocate. That's the most important thing. And then you just have to make a decision. It's, it's, It's very similar to when I think a woman has um, a baby or gives birth and there's women that do at-home births and there's women that do it in a hospital and there are women that breastfeed and there are women that don't. Everybody's going to take a different route. So you've got to do what works for you. But go online, seek out, you know, there's traditional medicine and then there's functional medicine and you're going to get, you're going to hear a lot of different things. And my thing is, do what works for you, do what resonates for you, and you might have to do a bunch of different things to get to the heart of your symptoms
0: right. I think that's a great point. I mean it's a little maddening the whole thing i it I is. think especially because and I guess I would just toss in you know you know your body best, so listen to your listen to your instincts a bit about it because I think one of the big challenges is how nonspecific symptoms can be, and so I think they just often get written off or, you know, it's stress or it's whatever. So yeah, I think that's, that's such good advice. Okay. Well, my last main question, I know beauty is one of your many jams. Gosh. (laughs) And I will just say makeup or not, your skin is luminous. So,
1: (laughs) but But I I think, I mean, the part of that is genetics,
0: Yes I know I know you've it, we got, it we true. got a shout
1: out shout out to my Filipino family
0: I know same same the Korean skin care is like a real thing, so I was just curious if you have a favorite beauty product or two that you are loving right now
1: oh my gosh, just two I mean if you opened my bathroom drawers and cabinet <laughs> and plus I have two daughters and we're all makeup and skincare junkies, hair product junkies I love. Love, love, love all that stuff. Don't don't send me into a Sephora and ask me to come out in two minutes. It'll never happen. <laughs> but I'm thinking top of mind right now. I'm obsessed with the Kosas Brow Gel because any oh. any woman that's in her fifties or in perimenopause or menopause has thinning hair. If you if you don't consider yourself blessed and incredibly lucky, my brows have thinned out so much, and so I like their brow gel. It instantly thickens your brows.
0: Ooh, is it like tinted? Will it it's fill in It's tinted and it comes
1: in different okay. shades depending on what your brow color is. And it's like a miniature mascara wand and you just brush it through your brows and it just has these little tiny fibers in it that just stick in your brows.
0: Add to cart. Okay, it's, great. <laughs> it's
1: awesome. It's totally awesome. Um, and then there are a couple skin products that I'm obsessed with. There's a there's a mask that I try to do like on Sunday evenings, once a week, it's the Natura Bise stabilizing cleansing mask. It's a clay mask. And I don't, it just sucks all the impurities out of your face. And you wash that sucker off and you're just glowing.
0: I like that. I could use that. Okay, good. And it's great if
1: you have those, you know, you get that hormonal acne or breakouts. It's great for that as well. That's what I. That's when I first discovered it, and I still use it. And then oldie but a goodie is um, I like the Tatcha rice polish. It's also a Bay Area company, and it's just a great, gentle exfoliator Ooh, that I like okay. to use when I'm in the shower.
0: I love it for my okay, face. I'm yeah. actually I do have one partially selfish question related to beauty, but have you discovered an eye cream that actually works or <sighs> is it all a fallacy? Like I had a makeup artist once who told me, oh yeah, it's, it's all fallacy.
1: Yeah. I, I've talked to a lot of makeup artists as well and they just, everybody shakes their head.
0: Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I've
1: tried, you know, I usually will get a sample of, of something or, you know, I go and buy something and you get those little miniature sized products and um, I just use whatever. I have, I have no loyalty to an eye cream because there has not been anything that has been life-changing and right. I've tried a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, I did recently start using a Korean snail mucin oh,
1: really? eye cream, so
0: I'll keep you posted. I'll let you know. Yes. I'm all about putting snail mucin, Korean snail mucin on my face. It's very, it, it just feels, I don't know, it's liberating. Okay. So, Lizzie, at the end of each show, I share or I ask my guests to share what is called your next edit. This is a super actionable tip that listeners can consider doing right away after they finish listening to our conversation. So, I would love to hear what your next edit is for this episode something tactical
1: that I would recommend for listeners or for myself?
0: Uh, For listeners.
1: Something tactical. I would, I mean, this is my. My go-to parting advice, and I didn't realize this until I talked to more and more women um, as I started this whole midlife project, go seek out laughter. Mm. It sounds so simple and so basic, but there are people that do not laugh on a daily basis. There was a period I, I, have, I have dealt with bouts of depression through my life. And so there have been periods in my life where there was no laughter. Mm. So I get it it is life-changing. It truly is life-changing. There are people that exercise every single day at the same time, like clockwork, and it feeds their soul. Unfortunately, I'm not one of them. It's it's a lot of work to get me to exercise. Um, But laughing has become one of those essentials when it comes to how I go about my day, whether it's, you know, morning, midday or night, it's just something that I have to check off. I have to have laughter. And it's as simple as going on to YouTube, um, you know, and finding those make me laugh challenges. It's going on to Netflix and Google you know, and searching for a comedian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's exchanging memes on reels or TikTok it doesn't have to be really difficult or take a long time, but what it does is just, it's so good for your, for your mental well-being and your spirit and everybody feels better after they laugh.
0: Always. Yes. I couldn't agree more.
1: <laughs> so I challenge people to laugh more.
0: I love it. I love it. Lizzie, this has been such a delight. Thank you for sharing your time with me today. I just loved every minute of this conversation and I can't wait to shout your podcast from the rooftops when it hits the airwaves. So you need to be sure to tell me.
1: Yes, I most definitely will. I will. Thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. All right. Take care. All right. You too.
0: Okay, friends, you will find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at Edit Your Life Show or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life, a review on Apple Podcasts, or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening.
3: Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book How to Keep House While Drowning